The problem is that what was easy for them to manage, and that's why they do it that way, isn't really crafted to what you really need. So having a cook and cutter approach doesn't really benefit anybody except for the firm. There are many factors that contribute to success, skill, good work habits, positive mental attitude, and of course, proper planning. So let's head to the drafting table and get this retirement success blueprint underway with Michael Stewart of Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. I'm your co-host, Mark Killian. Let's get started. Welcome into the Retirement Success Blueprint with Michael Stewart. Thanks for tuning into the podcast as we talk investing, finance, and retirement. And this is our final episode of the year for 2020, and it's episode number 70. So we've done 70 of these here. Pretty cool and interesting to think about that. And we hope that you guys have a great holiday season. We're going to wrap up the show with talking about some things that drive financial advisors crazy, and we'll get into that here in just a minute. But let's say hi to Mike. Mike, number 70, what do you think about that? Uh, that's a pretty big one. You almost need a required minimum distribution from that one, right? <laughs> nice. Very good. Pretty close, right? We need two more. So by the time yeah. we end out January, it'll be uh, old enough for an RMD, unless they push it back to 75, which I heard is being considered on the SECURE Act too. And if that happens, we'll talk about it here on the podcast. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, so uh, speaking of headlines, so since I was just talking about that little tidbit that may or may not happen, what's your thoughts on the coronavirus vaccine? Obviously, November, we are into mid-December now. November wound up being pretty good market-wise, and a lot of it seems to be attributed to the coronavirus vaccine. Are you thinking about being in line for it early on? You know, What's your thoughts on the market and the economy in general just from what we've seen thus far? Yeah, well, I get it, of course, because anything that furthers the cause and gets us, you know, further out of the malaise, then, you know, by all means, from a health perspective, sure. As it relates to the market and the economy, we're cautioning investors, you know, our clients, to really consider this in two different phases. So it's great that, you know, the market's a little bit more euphoric and we're getting 94, 95% efficacy from the various vaccines. And all of that is very positive. So I don't want to diminish that. But from an investment standpoint, we need to take a step back and say, okay, well, what's changed? Other than the head line. Is everybody okay next week then? So everything's fine. So now until mid-summer of 2021, we're kind of calling phase one. So there's going to be limited access to the vaccine for the general public. There's going to be continued outbreaks and the regional kind of lockdown policies, limiting travel, social interactions. All of those things are a drag on the economy. And we're starting to see that now that the stimulus is worn off, things are starting to slow down a little bit. And in the second half of 2021, that's kind of where we come phase two more vaccine availability, hopefully it's sticking, gradually a true reopening of all the industries, travel, hotel, maybe a pickup in business travel resuming, some sense of normalcy maybe, but there's still a lot of economic uncertainty. Jobs growth is slowing, industrial slowing, more people are filing new unemployment claims now than they did in September. And that's because a lot of the stimulus has begun to wear off. Allegedly, at the beginning of the year, there's going to be more stimulus. We'll see what happens. What we caution you to say is that just have an investment plan in place that protects you in the near term from maybe some of the trouble that's still ahead, but also positions you to participate in the recovery when that happens for real and a recovery that isn't just funded because government's throwing more money at the problem. It's a true economic recovery. Yeah. You know, I've been saying uh, the last couple of weeks here that, 
you know, we're all excited about seeing 2020 go bye-bye, and that's great. We're excited to get into 2021. But just like when you're dealing in the industry that you're in, like expectations and setting those are really important. You want to set them for what the client should be getting from you and they what they want to see from you and vice versa. That's a good, healthy relationship, setting good expectations. I feel like we need to do that as a society with 2021 because I feel like we're putting a lot of pressure on it to just be this much greater year than 2020. And like when the ball drops, we kind of think, you know, poof, it's <laughs> it's all going to be magic better. And hopefully it's just a lot of people, you know, euphoria online and things of that nature. Hopefully people will kind of temper those expectations to realize, to your point, we're going to still probably have some struggles along the way for at least the first half of the year. So hopefully that'll be the yeah. case anyway. No, I, I agree. And I think one of the key components, and I, I think what you're addressing is 100% correct, is that a lot of people think the calendar is going to flip and, you know, 2021 is a brand new day. Right. And, we all right. Hope, and we all hope that it sure. is. Sure. But the reality is there's kind of two things. And, you know, this is what, you know, we're not doom and gloom. We're very optimistic about the future. But what we want to do is not be surprised by things coming down the pipeline. So we try to educate our clients accordingly. So yep. one of those things is, you know, if we go back almost a year ago, so 2019 was a great year in the markets. You know, every asset class pretty much made money hand over fist. We rolled into 2020 expecting good things, thinking, you know, but we were concerned that the markets were a little heady. You know, they were a little ahead of themselves. And, you know, we made some changes, some clients' portfolios because of that to de-risk. And this is pre-coronavirus and all this stuff in the spring. But then the important thing is we already thought markets were overvalued at that time. Well, and then, of course, we had the big sell-off. We're now right back at all-time highs again. You know, took you know took three weeks to sell off and seven months to get back to the highs. But either way, we, we got back. But if we were high in January and February and we're back to where we were and you look around at what's going on in the economy, that really the economy is only back to about 80 or 90 percent of where it was, what is the justification for where markets are trading right now? The second part of that is, you know, the Wall Street will say, well, because, you know, the 10-year Treasury rate, because interest rates are near zero or less than one percent, you know, on a discounted valuation, that's why the markets are undervalued. And that's true, but the Fed is artificially keeping interest rates low right now because of what's going on. They're not where rates really should be given where the economy is. Mm. So with that in mind, we're either in a very undervalued or a very overvalued market. And you know, clients need to be aware of what the rationale is between those two things so that when Wall Street and the big banks decide to say, pull the ripcord that they're selling out, kind of like on our IPO conversation last podcast, mm -hmm that they've got a safe landing spot too. Yeah, there you go. So setting expectations, something that I'm carrying into the rest of this holiday season as we enter into 2021. All right, so let's hit our main topic, what drives your financial advisor crazy? Because no industry is out with uh, without flaws, and clearly the financial industry is no exception. So let's explore some times where we've encountered annoying or frustrating elements just inside the financial world. And this might be you know, a good good to say for both sides of the coin, right? So to just like I said with the expectations, it might be the financial advisor and the clients that this can <laughs> gets driven crazy by this hidden fees let's start there you know the fact that they're just there at all and we have to even kind of hunt for them and hidden fees is somewhat pretty annoying i imagine for you guys it's also annoying to have to explain those and all that kind of stuff yeah one of the first things that we do when we meet with clients to determine if we're a good fit and you know should any changes be made those kind of things is we resell them on what they currently own so say, okay, here's where you say you are. Here's where you say you want to go. Here's what you have. Is it going to get you there? You know, be between risk, fees, income, all those different things. So on the hidden fee side, there's a lot of times that clients come in and they say, you know what? Oh, I'm not paying any fees. 
And we look at the thing and they've got a bunch of mutual funds. You know, their advisor got them all in mutual funds and say, okay, well, are you paying an advisory fee? I don't think so. Well, if you're not paying an advisory fee, that means you paid a commission up front at some point in time to get into those. Or many times they are paying advisory fee of one, one and a half, two percent, and they're not even aware of it because they're really not paying attention or it's not as transparent. In addition to that, those funds they have aren't free either. Inside those funds have additional fees, somewhere between half to one and a half percent. So many times clients come in here and they say, you know what, I don't pay any fees. And then we pull the prospectus, you know, which nobody reads. It's that big book and Bible print that nobody reads <laughs> and says, okay, you know, on page 132, it says, you know, you have 1.25% in fund fees. And here on your quarterly statement, it shows the broker charging you one and a half. Did you realize you were paying almost 3% fees? So on your million dollar portfolio, it's $30,000 a year. And they'll step back and say, no, I didn't realize that. Or they've got some insurance product out there that's got, you know, three or 4% internal fees. They don't see it as a line item. It's in the contract that they didn't read. But at the same time, it's our responsibility to show them that this is what you're paying. Now, it doesn't make it wrong necessarily. Sometimes it is, but for the most part, it doesn't. It really comes down to, are you getting value for what you're paying for? Okay. All right. So that is hidden fees. And that's always the topic we push on the show is the value you're getting for the fees that you're paying. And that's really good advice in any stage of life and any walk of life. How about this one, Mike? Advisors who put their own goals ahead of their clients. Is advisor the right word or is that more broker based or is that neither one correct? Yeah, broker based. And, you know, there's this whole bully base of, you know, how individuals name themselves, whether they're an advisor with an O or an E, whether they're a broker, (laughs) a combination, they wear both hats, you know, so, and the general public in the retail investor doesn't understand that. And that's a lot of times where these situations where the advisor is making recommendations that maybe they're good recommendations, but they're skewed a little bit to their best interest. Mm -hmm. You know, we're a fiduciary, you know, we sign contracts with our clients on here that says we're a fiduciary. That just means that we have to have your best interest in front of our own. And we have to operate without any conflict of interest. We also have to tell you how we get paid, you know, so if it's a fee, you know, we're a fee based, but you know, if it's a fee, if it's commission, if it's kickback, something, we let you know that ahead of time. So that way you understand that, are you making a good choice? Now, most brokers say that, but if they make a commission, there is that embedded conflict there, or even captive agents. Let's say you're with one of the big insurance companies or one of the big national firms, uh, or even with a bank, they've got a limited product selection based on what benefits them, not necessarily what benefits the clients. So they can say all they want, but how do they operate? Okay. Yeah. And I think, again, as I mentioned, I was calling this what drives your financial advisor crazy. I, you know, Maybe a way of looking at that is these are some of the things in the industry that I think you guys probably find frustrating. We, we do surveys of all the different advisors we talk to across the country, and a lot of these things pop up on these questionnaires when we ask them. And cookie-cutter, one-size-fits-all sales pitches definitely pops up on that list quite often because everybody is so different. Sometimes I think a lot of those commercials that we see that are very generic on television, they just kind of strike that annoyance chord because it's like it's just not that easy. You can't just shove everybody into the same sweater that you have on sale, so to speak. Yeah, in, in my practice, I, I hate seeing this as a 50-year-old professional will come in and meet with us as will, say, a 70-year-old person in retirement, and they're represented by the same firm, and they have an identical portfolio. Right. I mean, how can that happen? You know, they're a different stage of life, different needs, different income, different risk tolerance. You know, a friend of mine, uh, Greg, he's an advisor in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He calls it the disease of ease. And what that means is, you know, you go into one of these brokerage firms, one of these big national firms, you check a couple boxes on a risk tolerance thing, and then they just throw you in a bunch of mutual funds. 
The problem is that what was easy for them to manage, and that's why they do it that way, isn't really crafted to what you really need. So having a cookie cutter approach doesn't really benefit anybody except for the firm. Yeah. And again, I always use the retail analogy with that. It's like, you know, if a store is trying to push out all the winter clothes because summer is coming, they put them all on sale and they tell their, you know, their staff people, hey, push these, <laughs> push these winter clothes. Same kind of idea. So you just have to be careful with those cookie cutter, one size fit all type approaches or product pushes. How about jargon and buzzwords, Mike, that just don't mean a lot to us average folks? Now, I talk on the radio and podcast a lot, so I've gotten used to it over the years. But most of us, we hear some of these terms, we kind of have a loose idea on some and completely zero idea on many others. Yeah, let me give you a little insight into the industry. Brokers like to show how smart they are by using big, confusing words, stats, and acronyms that only impress them. Most <laughs> clients leave their broker's office after reviews more confused than when they entered. In our office, the greatest compliment I usually get is you make it easy to understand. Either we put it all on one sheet of paper, I go up on the whiteboard, we have a big glass whiteboard in my office, and I go up there and I say, conceptually, this is what we're trying to do. Does that make sense? And so I get husbands and wives both nodding along, and it doesn't matter who's managing the money. They understand from a conceptual and a high level what we're trying to get. And most clients, they don't want to get overwhelmed by all the details. You know, the broker thinks that they're impressing them. What they're doing is confusing them into inaction, and then they can't move forward. What clients really want is on one page, what do I own? Why do I own it? And let the advisor take care of the rest. That's why they hired them. Yeah. And to be fair, sometimes when you're in any industry, you tend to start using buzzwords and jargon because you're talking with your fellow peers and so on and so forth. And sometimes it just becomes habit. And many advisors do that, I think, and they're not trying to talk over the person's head. It just tends to happen. But to your point, there are definitely a lot that will do that to kind of have that kind of, hey, look how smart I am kind of approach to it. All right. So how about uh, one final one here, Mike? Financial plans that consist of dozens of pages that you really, to your point, can't follow. I mean, should a financial plan be war and peace? <laughs> That's a good example. Yeah, so simplicity is the key. And I tell clients that all the time, that there's no value in me providing you a 300-page, three-ring-bound financial plan and this nice leather thing. We do, by <laughs> the way. But you know, there's no value in that to put it up on the shelf, never be looked at again, gather dust, and not be implemented. The best plan is the one that you will implement. doesn't matter if it's two pages or 200 pages. When we go through our retirement success blueprint, our financial planning process, the plan might be 60 or 80 pages because you, you need the supporting information in there for compliance reasons. But when we meet at delivering that plan to you, I might pull out 8, 10, 12 pages charts that are the most important in that plan. You know, We have all the background information if you need it, but most people don't want that. We say, here's where you are, here's where you want to go, and here's how we get there. And then we co-design it together. All clients really want to know is, are we going to be okay? So, you know, in short, you need to have an advisor that builds custom, not cookie cutter kind of portfolio based on the written financial plan you build together. So a lot of people have an investment plan, has a, this financial junk drawer of stuff, but they don't actually have a full plan. A written financial plan has to show you where your income's coming from in retirement, independent of the market. How do you take the least amount of risk to do that? How are you going to pay for long-term care if you need it? How do you control the amount of taxes you pay over your lifetime? That's having a real financial plan. You know, and if anybody needs help with that, we'll be happy to help them. 
So what you need is a blueprint. And if you'd like to get your own retirement success blueprint, all you got to do is reach out to Mike and give him a call at 815-526-3092. That's 815-526-3092. You can find him at Crystal Lake Tax and Financial online. It's crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com. Don't forget while you're there, subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you choose, Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeart, Stitcher, so on and so forth. The big three there, Apple, Google, or Spotify is where most people use. I believe Amazon's coming soon if it hasn't already. But either way, you can find it all at crystallaketax.com. And if you'd like to submit an email question while you're there, you can drop us a line and we'll try to see if we can squeeze those in from time to time. And we've got one from Steve over in Elgin. And he says, uh, Mike, I have a variable annuity that seems to have a nice income guarantee associated with it. But I've heard several people say that variable annuities are usually bad. So what am I missing in this equation? Yeah, Steve, a, a variable annuity in and of itself, just like any other annuity or any other investment, isn't inherently bad by itself. What happens is a lot of people get sold things over time for a variety of different reasons and usually not in their best interest. You know, So they don't buy things, they get sold things and they don't really understand what they have, partly because maybe they got a half of a sales message. So there's many types of annuities. There's immediate annuities, fixed, fixed index and variable. Now for your question, Steve, I'm gonna focus on the variable annuity these are the ones that, you know, the Ken Fisher commercials say, I hate annuities. They're complex, high fees, provide phantom guarantees. And he's partly right as it relates to the variable annuity. So here's the issue that I see all the time in my 20 years as an advisor, specific to variable annuities. Now, disclaimer, talk with your advisor or somebody who doesn't earn a commission if they sell you a variable annuity to make sure whether it's right for you or not. But here's an example. So somebody, a prospective client walks in, they've got half a million dollars in a variable annuity and they say, hey, I've had this thing for almost 10 years and the market's gone up, but I really haven't made a whole lot of money compared to everybody else. And I say, okay, well, do you understand how they operate? I'll draw a bullseye on the, on the circle, Steve. And it'll say, okay, you know, in the middle is the mutual funds and you draw a circle around it because that's what you came for. Sub accounts, stocks, bonds, these things. Then the next big circle around that is the insurance company. You know, this company ABC. So, oh yeah, I know them, multi-billion dollar company. Then we draw another circle around that. So now we get a big bullseye and I write <laughs> writer next to that. And writer just means that there's some kind of guarantee. So Steve, in your case, it's some sort of income guarantee. And I said, okay, but you know, what do you know about that? And they say, well, I don't know. I guess that's kind of what I own. I said, okay, do you realize, let's say you've got that half million. And I draw a line from the mutual fund sub accounts and say, okay, they typically charge about 1%. The insurance company's not doing for free. They typically charge you one, one and a quarter percent. And then that rider, that income guarantee isn't necessarily free. They charge you one, one and a half percent. So did you realize you were paying three and a half to four and a half percent in internal fees? And most people can't kind of, you know, cognitively understand percentages. They say, let me put that in like financial terms. You're paying 15 to $20,000 a year internally in fees on this 500,000. Hmm. And that's when they sit up in their chair and be like, what? And it's all in the prospectus. It's all in the contract. We talk about it every couple of weeks. Nobody reads these things. <laughs> That's what protects the insurance company. That's what protects the mutual fund company. So what we say is they're not necessarily bad, but what are you getting for fifteen or $20,000 a year in fees? You know, that's the concern. And on the income guarantee, be careful because that's how they get missold, Steve. So what happens is they'll say, hey, you know, it doesn't matter what happens in the market with your investments. The income guarantee that you're paying for says it'll grow by 7%. So your money will double in 10 years. Well, that's all people hear and they think they can walk away with double their money in 10 years. How it really works is there's a phantom bucket of money that you can take an income stream, almost like a pension off of over time. 
The problem with that is you have to spend through all of your own money before the insurance company is technically on the hook for sending you that lifetime income. And I can give an example to clients, almost like a gas gauge. Hmm. So Steve, you've got that $500,000 of this guaranteed income amount. So now all of a sudden you start taking out, you know, $30,000 a year because they said that's what's guaranteed for you. Well, how many years can you take out $30,000 and add another 15 and 20 in fees on top of that? Because those fees don't go away. So you're taking out forty dollars or $50,000 a year between their fees and your money you're taking. Sure. How long until you run out of money? The reality is it's somewhere between about 12, 13 years. So after 12 or 13 years, now the insurance company still has to continue to pay you, even though you're out of money, has to pay you, you know, the $30,000 a year. But human nature is you start seeing several years in that this happened. You had this thing for 10 years, and now all of a sudden you're like, wait a second, my 500 is down to 250. I'm going to cut and run. So now the insurance company for 10 or 15 years has made you know tens of thousands and now hundreds of thousands of dollars ah. off of you. And they're no longer, because you've canceled it, trying to you know keep that gas gauge from going to empty and spending all your money. Now, all of a sudden, they're not even on the hook anymore for that lifetime guarantee. So be careful. You know, we walk through, we talked about it earlier in the show. We walk clients through what you own. Here's the good and bad about it. Do you still like it? If you still like it, keep it. If it's everything you thought it was and more. Many times when we do that, these kind of things come out and say, in no uncertain terms, do I want to spend all my money? I want to leave a legacy for my kids, the church, somebody else. So you have to be careful, Steve. So if you'd like us to take a look at that, Steve and Elgin, we'd be happy to. All right. Just give them a call, guys, at 815-526-3092. That's 815-526-3092. And that's going to do it for our final podcast of 2020 here on the Retirement Success Blueprint. We hope that you enjoyed yourself and picked up a useful nugget of information along the way. If you have not yet subscribed to the show, please consider doing so. Go to Apple or Google or Spotify. Uh, Simply in the app, you can just type in Retirement Success Blueprint. Most phones have these installed, pre-installed nowadays, smartphones. If you're an Apple user, you probably already have Apple Podcasts right there on your phone. Open up the app and just type in retirement success blueprint in the search box. You should be able to find it that way and hit the heart button, I believe is what subscribes to it. Every app has a different way of doing it. But either way, consider doing that. That would be fantastic. And with that, we're going to say thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. We hope you have a great holiday season and we will see you in January. Mike, same to you, my friend. Hope you guys have a good time and enjoy yourself and uh, your holiday. Yeah, so to Mark and our listeners in that, whether you celebrate Christmas, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, Festivus, whatever it happens to be, enjoy the holiday season. And let's hope when the calendar does flip to 2021, things get a little more normal. Very well said. We'll see you next time here on the Retirement Success Blueprint with Michael Stewart of Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. Investment advisory services offered through Sound Income Strategies, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. The information provided herein is for training or educational purposes only and does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any securities, investments, investment strategies, or investment advice relating to securities, nor is the information or representation that any security is a suitable or appropriate investment for any person. Before acting on any advice, you should consider the appropriateness of the advice having regard to your own objectives, financial situation and needs. Please contact us to obtain our disclosure brochure relating to the services offered by Sound Income Strategies, LLC, and consider its contents before making any decisions. Where quoted, past performance is not indicative of future performance.
Sound Income Strategies LLC does not represent or warrant that the contents of this program are suitable for you from a compliance, regulatory, legal, or any other perspective. We shall have no responsibility for your use or non-use of the program or any portion thereof. Crystal Lake Tax and Financial and Sound Income Strategies LLC are not associated entities.